of Acts. Uh, and I've been focusing on Peter's ministry. You know, the first half of uh, the first 13 chapters of the, are about Peter, mostly. Peter and John, a couple of others in there, but mostly Peter. And then after the conversion of the Apostle Paul, of the, and once he gets established, the Holy Spirit sends him out, and, and then the rest of the book is about the Apostle Paul. So, I'm still with Peter. So, chapter 10. Uh, <laughs> it's 48 verses long. It would take me seven minutes to read it all. And that would leave... 23 minutes for me to comment. <laughs> and I'm longer winded than that. So, Lord forgive me. So, I'm going to read the first six verses and then just make a brief comment about what's coming up because I'm going to be talking about it. And then the last five verses. So, stand with me as we read from the book of Acts. Chapter 10. At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day about three in the afternoon he had a vision and he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said Cornelius Cornelius stared at him in fear what is it Lord he asked the angel answered your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon, the tanner, whose house is by the sea. And now what follows is a vision of Peter, because God was speaking to Cornelius, he was also speaking to Peter and was sending Peter to Cornelius's home. Now the end of the chapter. Beginning with verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard these, this message. The circumcised believers, that is the Jews, who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. Well, they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of, of their being baptized with water. They had been baptized with the Holy Spirit. They have just received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked Peter to stay with them 
for a few days. Thank you. You may be seated. So, this is the story. We've just read how God was speaking to Cornelius, sent an angel. God was coordinating things between what was going on there in Caesarea, about 30 miles north, and what was going on in Joppa, where Peter was. Now, you've heard about Joppa. Joppa is a port city on the Mediterranean Sea, and it's the place that the prophet Jonah went to to flee from the presence of the Lord, got on a ship and headed for Tarshish, which is about as, as far as he could possibly go on a ship to get away from where God really wanted him to go, Nineveh. That's another story for another time, and I love telling the story, by the way. <laughs> That's Joppa. He, Peter was in Joppa. It uh, was the middle of the day, middle of the afternoon. He was getting hungry. And um, lunch, dinner, really, wasn't ready yet. And so he decided he would go up on the roof. Now, that doesn't compute here in New England because our, our roofs are slanted. So you don't go up to your roof in order to rest, to relax, to meditate. You might go out onto a patio, but not the roof. That's not true in warmer climates. It has to be that way for us because the snow falls and we want the snow to, to kind of roll off of that slanted roof. But in warmer climates like Haiti and the Dominican Republic, some of us have been there, other warm climates, roofs tend to be flat. And that's wonderful. Sometimes there's an outside staircase that goes up to the roof. And uh, lots of things in the Bible happen up on rooftops. <laughs> I love the roof, the roofs in Haiti and the Dominican Republic. I tend to be an early riser, so I get up early in the morning when everybody else is asleep, and I go up to the roof and pray. It's a wonderful place. Now that's where he was. He was thinking, he was meditating, he was praying, and he got tired, dozed off. And it was sort of, you know, one of these situations which you kind of half awake and half sleep. And that's really, I told that that's, that's the time when dreams come. And, and he had a vision. And a vision was that a, a sheet... Uh, was lowered down by, I don't know, angels grabbing the four corners of it or something. I, I suppose if he was in the theater, it would be a stage that would descend. But for him, it was a sheet that descended. And on that sheet, there were animals. Well, remember, it was mealtime and he was hungry. And he sensed God saying to him, Peter, get up and... Uh, Take out your butcher knife and build yourself a, a nice fire 
and, um, and have some roasted rabbit. You know, they have four drumsticks. Chickens only have two. Peter woke up quickly and said, where did that come from? And so he goes back to sleep. The dream reappears, and it's the same thing. The sheet is coming down from heaven. There are all these kinds of animals. Jews are very strict about what they can eat and when it comes to meat. I mean, the animals have to have cloven hoofs, you know, like goats or sheep or something. You, you, you can't eat camels, for example. Now, and certain birds, and, and you can only eat fish with scales on them. You can't eat catfish. You can't eat lobster. You, you can't eat shellfish. You can't eat that stuff. And so the, the, the angel, the, 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 the dream is... The, the, get up and eat and, and have yourself uh, some, some diced up deep fried alligator. Man, that's good stuff. Yuck. Peter says, oh, this is terrible. I'm, I must be starved. He wakes up and, but then he drifts back off into sleep again. Peter, get up. Start a fire. Get out your butcher knife and, and prepare some food here because I've provided for you. Lord, never. I have never eaten that stuff. That's unclean stuff. That's, that's filthy stuff. That's garbage. Oh, God, I'm a Jew. There is no way I'm going to eat that stuff. I am yours. I follow your word. Wait a minute. Don't you call the stuff I have made unclean? Peter wakes up and he's, he's thinking, what's that all about? And then he hears the voice of God. Now he's awake. And God is speaking to him very clearly. Peter, there are three men knocking on your door. They're looking for you. <laughs> they eat this stuff, by the way. Don't hesitate to go with them because I have sent them. So Peter goes downstairs. These men are at the gate. He says, I'm, I'm the one you're looking for. Well, a guy by the name of Cornelius, a centurion, has sent us. 
and he wants you to come and to tell us what you know. Cornelius is a God-fearing man. Cornelius is a really decent human being. Cornelius prays regularly. And God has spoken to Cornelius and says, I've heard your prayers. Send somebody to go get Peter, tells him where Peter lives, and have him come and talk to you. Peter does come. Why have you asked me to come? They tell him his vision. Peter says, wow. Now I know that God does not play favorites. So he begins to tell them the story of Jesus. He was such a good man. He did, did so many miracles. He, he preached the word of God, but they crucified him. But three days later, God raised him up from the dead and he appeared to people like me. He, he appeared to all of those who trusted in him. And as he was preaching, teaching, the Holy Spirit fell upon all of those who were gathered there in the home of Cornelius just in the same way that the Holy Spirit fell in the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem. Wow. That's an amazing, amazing thing. There are some takeaways that we ought to think about. Cornelius, if you didn't know him, he is a person who you would find offensive. All the Jews found the Roman soldiers offensive. Some of them were personally offensive. Some of them were just there to show that they had power and authority and they could get out of the Jews whatever they wanted. They would take out their swords, put it in their belly and say, I want $100 now. All of them were there sent by Rome they were on the streets of Jerusalem and the other cities surrounding it to keep the peace. To make sure that there was no chance of any kind of an uprising. Jews hated them. And here is Cornelius. <laughs> He's in charge of these gross people. 
Cornelius? Without knowing him, just knowing who he was, you would be offended. But there's another thing we should notice. Once you got to know him, you realized that here was a really, really good man. Wasn't a Jew, wasn't a Christian, but he admired them. At three o'clock in the afternoon, Cornelius was in prayer. That's a Jewish thing. The Jews learned to pray at, at nine o'clock in the morning and at noon and at, at three o'clock in the afternoon as well as other times. There, there were scheduled times of prayer and Cornelius was a praying man. And he gave of his resources to help those who were struggling, those who were really poor. Cornelius? This Italian centurion? This guy who's in charge of the very people we hate? Cornelius? Yeah. The text says he was a really good man. Pretty surprising. The other thing that we shouldn't miss is that God was orchestrating things. God was putting things together. Wow. God was speaking to Cornelius there in Caesarea, and God was speaking to Peter, who was with a friend in Joppa. Angels were involved. The Spirit of God was involved, and God was orchestrating a ministry to people who did not deserve it. Gentiles. Gentiles. Are you kidding me? They don't know anything. They don't know who Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are. They don't know anything about the laws of Moses. They don't know you're supposed to keep a Sabbath day holy. They don't know anything about Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, they know nothing. And yet God was orchestrating Peter to come to them and to minister to them, and in the midst of that, the Holy Spirit fell, just like the Holy Spirit fell in Jerusalem. Are you kidding me? Totally, totally amazing. There's something else we shouldn't miss. <laughs> Peter was against it. Who 
Well, I mean, at first, in this, in this vision, when he heard the voice of God to eat what the Gentiles ate, oh, no, 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 no. And if God had said, hey, Peter, why don't you go to Cornelius? Um, he, he's a centurion and he lives... A, uh, no, 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 no. Everything within him was Jewish. He served a Jewish Messiah named Jesus, Yeshua. his friends were Jewish. The church was Jewish. Jesus was, Jesus, Jesus came to perfect the Jews. That was his understanding. When Jesus says go into Samaria, like, okay, okay, there's probably some Jews here, some, some pretty good, decent guys that are going to go there to work and to live and so forth. When Jesus is going to Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth, they say, well, yeah, that's what's happening. You know, the, we, we have Jews going everywhere. They're, they're, they're going to Spain. They're going to Italy. You know, they're going for work. They're going for family reasons. Yeah, we're, yeah we're everywhere. The Jews are just Jews are everywhere. They had no idea that God was speaking to them to go to a Gentile world who knew nothing, who needed to be taught. God was doing something incredibly unconventional. Unconventional. God was doing something that nobody ever expected. Peter's call was to submit to what God was doing. Sometimes that's really hard. Sometimes everything inside of us says, no, 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 no. Yeah. Peter, Cornelius. When he goes there, he says, you know, <laughs> us Jews have absolutely no dealings with people like you. None. Yeah. I know. It's amazing what God is up to. So when we come to the communion table this morning, I want us to come in an attitude of prayer. God, 
What are you doing? What are you doing in me? What are you doing in the church? How are you reaching out to those who are lost? How do I fit in? God, I confess my limitations. my ignorance of what you're doing. God, when we come to this communion table and take the bread which has been broken for us, come. with your own attitudes of brokenness, confession, confession to your own brokenness and need. And when you come to this table and you partake of the, of the cup, symbolizing the shed blood of Jesus, Come. Remembering that the shed blood of Jesus was for us all. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Sometimes we don't know what you're doing. We come with a spirit of brokenness. We come asking you to use us, to help us. Come, Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll invite the elders to come for the serving of the communion. And I come reminding you of these words written by the Apostle Paul. <laughs> I receive from the Lord, but I also now pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray.
life, the ups and downs. Joy comes from a consistent and focused relationship with Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. I'm about to close out here. I'm going to turn it back over to Kathy, and she's going to... I don't know what she's going to do. <laughs> 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. Aren't you? Do you know anyone who's living this level of life? Joy unspeakable. Full of joy. Do you know anyone? How do we live a focused life in Christ? Verse 14, and then I'm, I think I'm done. Kathy, is that okay? <laughs> John 15, verse 14. Watch this. You are my friends if you do what I command. God expects our obedience. He expects it. He doesn't just want us to obey. He demands that we obey. Wow. What kind of life are you living? It is a, is a life that counts. Is Jesus Christ the focus of your life? That means that everything you do centers around him. Everything. I'll close with this one sentence. Christianity, a Christian, disciple, follower of Jesus, is not a part-time life, a sometime life. It is not. It's an all-time life. It's a surrendered life. Giving up of self. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, that is the cry of our hearts this morning. Your people calling. In repentance, forgive us of our self-righteousness, of our pride, of our disobedience, a selfish life. That, Lord, we come before you this morning with one desire upon our hearts, and that's living a focused life in you and through you. Lord, I pray, and this is a bold prayer, whatever it takes, Lord, in the life of your people, professing Christians, your church, whatever it takes to bring us to our knees. and live 
a life centered on you. Put it before us, Lord. Put it before us. And in making that statement, I see one person. I see Jesus Christ. And then I see the power of the Holy Spirit working upon those that are within the sound of these words, this prayer, whether it be in this building or online. Specifically, people online. You're welcome in the house of the Lord. Don't make him a life of convenience. God is calling us to be one in Christ Jesus. So, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit moves within those that have been listening, those that have ears to hear. And the Holy Spirit moves them before your throne, on their knees, in repentance. and a desire to abide, to remain in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Please stand, respond to how God has spoken to you this morning, whether you be here physically or you're visiting us online. There are people online that will respond to you in prayer, information giving. Whatever it may, you may need in your life this morning, you can find it in Christ Jesus. Kathy?